All right, well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday midweek service. And uh, today we're going to speak from the topic of grown up, grown up. And so let's, let's start with a familiar scripture here at our church, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, and we'll start here at verse 11. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. All right, it reads this. It says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, uh, emphasis spake. I understood as a child, emphasis understood. I thought as a child, emphasis thought. It says, but when I became a man, this is after the colon there, it says, I put away childish things. So when I matured into, when I became a mature, spiritually mature male or female, I put away childish things. So I put away speaking like a child, I put away understanding like a child, and I put away thinking like a child. In our society, they've established uh, uh, different ages for years to determine if you've been approved as an adult. Uh, we've converted that, that label of being considered an adult at your age as you're grown. Uh, but in reality, just because you've arrived at a particular age doesn't mean you've arrived at maturity. It doesn't mean that you've grown up. All right, that's not a put down, that's just the reality of life. Everybody doesn't have the consistent nourishment of insight, revelation, wisdom, uh, correction, chastisement, instruction, um, and love to actually for everyone to mature at the same pace at the same time. That's why Paul says, uh, I've run my race. Um, now, now, when he says I run my race, race that's not a, an endorsement for us to say when, when we're challenged or stretched to grow up to say, well, you know, leave me alone, I'm running my race. <laughs> no, because a part of the race is the person that's training you. The person in the race is going through training and preparation. Uh, their, their body is being buffeted or punked. They're being put in situations that are uncomfortable to to them to prepare them to even run the race in the first place. Um, so, so again, if we really want to mature, we do want to embrace some of the um, instructions, some of the corrections, some of the chastisement, uh, some of the reproof, and of course the love and the encouragement and you know, people cheering you along the way also. All right, so uh, again, we talk about our 60-day challenge here to really lock in and commit ourselves at another level probably only took people a couple days to come up with um, different reasons why today wouldn't be the day or Monday wouldn't be the day or Tuesday wouldn't be the day. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to start next week. You know, um, again, when I was a child, I spake as a child, thought as a child, understood as a child. Now, think, now the interesting thing about children, children, we've talked about this a thousand times here at our church, they're pretty self-centered, you know, when they're babies um, and they're young and you work hard all day. They don't really care how many hours you work. They don't care what you're doing. Hey, just uh, change my diaper and feed me. You know, I saw like they wake up every, you know, I, I learned this from all the new parents. 
You know, they wake up every couple of hours because they need a constant feeding, a, a constant diet. And so that's the only thing that's important to them, the discomfort of thirst and hunger, right? The discomfort of, um, uh, ooh, the discomfort of uh, lying in waste, you know, lying in funk and, and, and their own waste. So they want their diaper changed to, to clean them up and remove the waste so they can start again, knowing that they'll experience more waste, but they, they want it removed quickly. And the interesting thing is if we don't mature, we'll get comfortable with the waste. We'll be comfortable with uh, uh, lying and, and, and uh, funk and, and, and poisons and toxins um, are creating irritations and ratchets all over our, our spiritual body, right? But when we, you know, so, so, so their demand and their self-centeredness is properly placed. They're children, and they're not used to that level of discomfort and really hunger and thirst they're not used to because they were living in the womb and getting constant nourishment, you know. Uh, even mothers changed their, the way they, their eating habits because they were pregnant. <laughs> you know, it was eat, I'm eating for two or I'm eating for three or, or five or how, you know, how many is in there. All right, so, uh, well, you know, the scripture says, um, uh, verse 12, it says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Seeing through a glass darkly, that's the stage of a child. Things aren't clear. But then face to face, they see in reality who they are, what they purpose to do, and whose they are, right? It says, it says, now I know in part because I'm a child. I don't know everything, but you notice children, as they grow, and even teenagers communicate as if they do know everything. But now I know in part, it says, but then I shall know even as I am known. How God knows me is what the Amplifier says. All right, so, so again, as we mature and, and as we uh, make a quest, uh, a quest to be grown up, uh, we want to put off these childish things. And so, so what do we establish? Now we, as we grow, we establish boundaries in our speaking, right? Boundaries in our understanding and boundaries in our thinking. Like we don't just say anything as we mature. We don't just uh, process any kind of way. We don't just um, and we also don't just uh, allow anything in the, in the, on the cameras of our imagination or in our thought, uh, our thought housing. That's why the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, it says, casting down all imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. What is the Scripture telling us? The Scripture saying, hey, 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 hey. You have, a, you have particular, you have a line that can't be crossed in your mind. And when something tries to infiltrate that line, you have to reject it. You have to cast it down. You can't let, let it stand there. You can't meditate on the worst case scenarios. The scripture tells us in Philippians 4, we can look over here real quick. Philippians chapter 4. Again, some of these are familiar scriptures, but it line up what we're talking about as we make a quest, quest to, to be genuinely grown up. Uh, so, verse 8, Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, 
whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And so if you think, if you look at the list here, true, genuine things, so that means I'm going to have to fight to see what's genuine and what's true. Whatsoever things are honest, I have to fight to just focus on honesty. Whatsoever things are just, like really just, not, you know, again, our um, facsimile of justice in our culture. Now, it's pretty much comfort or it's pretty much convenience. And a lot of times it's the support of compromise, right, and confusion. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about things that line up with God. It says whatsoever things are pure. So purity, we talked about this in Master Life, fighting for purity, right? Think on pure things. So, so again, now there's a level of discipline even in our, our, our private eyes. You see what I'm saying? Uh, you know, <laughs> you're talking about our private eye, right? But there's even in our private eyes, there's a level of discipline in what we allow ourselves to uh, expose ourselves to. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. So again, we're not meditating on uh, the gossip. We're not meditating on the uh, negative criticisms, even if somebody's negatively criticizing you. We don't think on those things, right? We, we cast those things down because that's exalted, exalting itself against the knowledge of God. Then Isaiah 26.3, it says, uh, he'll keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him, right? And so, so I'm establishing a certain boundary. I can't let myself think about anything that'll pull me away from God, the knowledge of God, the peace of God, the presence of God, and the power of God, right? All right, so, so, and then boundaries in our understanding, real simple. The scripture says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, lean not to your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him. I always, when I say that word acknowledge for probably 20, 25 years now, act like you know. <laughs> right? Acknowledge. Act knowledge. Act like you know them. Right? And so, so, so lean not to your own understanding in all your ways. Act like you know God <laughs> and he'll direct your path. See, see, again, if I know God, I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. Or, you know, because you know how sometimes we're in our head and we think about worst case scenarios and sometimes we you know, there's a situation coming up, and we go, but if this don't happen, if this doesn't, see, see, we just introduced a possibility that didn't exist yet, and we're exalting that against what we know about God, <laughs> right? And what God probably told, God told us to make the move, right? And instead of just rolling with it, what God told us, God told me that's my wife. So regardless of uh, come to find out she's with, she's she, uh, uh, reuni- uh, re- reunited or 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 gave the guy another chance, I'm acting like I know God as I'm dealing with her. You know, that's my wife. So, hey, I'm not going to trip. I'm not going to flip. You know, God told me to leave my job uh, and take on another job, uh, leave a secure job, take an unsecure job. But he was moving me towards, you know, eventually working for the church. But I had to act like I knew God regardless of the circumstances. Or, uh, well, we had to because I couldn't do it without agreement from my lovely wife back there. I was just doing it on my own. Um, or, or we had to act like we knew God to even be in Charlotte. And Lord, Lord has done wonderful things. We're so happy we came here. We, you know, found a wonderful family here. So, 
right? So, so, so again, boundaries in my understanding, not allowing myself to absorb anything that's going to um, have me question God, right? Right? And then, uh, you know, boundaries in my speaking, you know, not just saying anything. The Bible says uh, in James, um, it says that tongue is hard to tame. It's, you know, it says out of the same mouth shouldn't be blessings and curses, right? Um, but uh, Proverbs 6.2, Proverbs 6.2, it says we are snared by the words of our mouth. Now, that word snare means to be held captive by. We're held captive by the words of our mouth. You know, we know this in, um, uh, uh, in Matthew uh, it's so audible here, but uh, Matthew 12 says, out of abundance of the heart, the mouth speak, right? So, so again, I want to put the right things in so the right things are being communicated out, right? Because I'm going to be snared by or held captive by what I say. So I can't say I love God, but my mouth is saying something opposite, right? Right, I can't say I believe, but I'm speaking doubt and unbelief because I'm going to be held captive by what I speak out of my mouth. Well, why? Because Proverbs 18.21, right? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So I have to train myself to say what God's saying. What better way to train myself is to get in this word, you know, and this is what helps us to grow up. You know, we have a, a, a graphic here. Uh, maybe you could put the camera on the graphic here. And so here you have the word. And as you can see, uh, eventually we, we evolve into or we grow into uh, the ability to fly. But, but I think when, we're in a, when we get into the world, we're in that caterpillar stage, all right? You know, you're in that caterpillar stage. And then the more you start to get in the word, you start to break out of that cocoon and you start to fly and you start to evolve, right? And you start to grow up, you know? And so that's what happens, you know, when we're childish, we're self-centered. But as we start to grow up, the eyes of our understanding is enlightened. You know, we start to see outside of ourselves. We start to consider why we were here and why God put us here. And, and we position ourselves to, to, to be an asset or a benefit in the kingdom because our life is not our own. We understand we've been bought with a price. But, you know, when we're walking around, uh, for the most part, living depressed or frustrated, normally that's about us. I haven't seen too many people depressed because they don't have another opportunity to be a blessing to somebody or another opportunity to disciple. Normally they've lost sight of their purpose and they think that they actually can, uh, like the, uh, the author said in Master Life last week, he said when he was young, he would plant stuff and he would dig it up to see if it grow, if it's growing yet. <laughs> Like, like, like we try to operate like that with our own lives. We keep digging our lives up to see if we're growing yet, you know, as opposed to investing our lives as seed, as uh, Ty was talking about, the inner seed. And as we, as we sow ourselves into the kingdom of God, we start to evolve and to grow, right? Uh, we were talking about um, the grown man on uh, Guy Talk last week. And it's something that uh, Jamal Kelly came out, would he, would he crystallize or we got out of what we talked about yesterday, I mean Saturday, was uh, we can't take 
uh, childlike characteristics into an adult life. We can't take childlike characteristics into, well, don't take uh, childlike characteristics into an adult life. See, see so again, we're, we're trying to grow to a point where we just don't, don't look at just what's in front of our face or just consider uh, our needs. We start to see the whole picture. You're a lot less frustrated in life when you can see the whole picture. You know, when you're skewed, when it's skewed, all you can see is the signature on your life. You miss out on so much of the picture. But it really is about seeing. See, because once you start to, um, the eyes of your understanding and enlightenment, once you start to embrace God's process, and once you really start to see clearly, you go, okay, this is with the whole picture. This is where I'm going. So all this connects. You embrace preparation a lot better. You're a lot more patient in your process because you go, okay, well, I'm not ready for all of this, so I'm going to have to embrace more of this. You know, um, former pastor had uh, shared with me uh, one time I was, I was uh, serving as an armor bearer, and he said his dad taught him delay his preparation. So anytime there was a delay, they were being, he was being prepared for something. You know, so... But when you start to really not just see but believe what God is showing you about your entire life, you're not as frustrated because you're going, well, I ain't ready for that. <laughs> and you're saying, but I want to be ready for that. So you embrace more. You allow yourself to be grown up by God, right? So you start to understand the whole picture. Let's look at uh, Ephesians 3, verses 17 through 19. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. All right, so it reads here, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye, right, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, process, understand, and absorb with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. That's the whole picture. The breadth, the length, the depth, and the light. That's every aspect of what life is about. It says, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, having every aspect of what God has for you and what he wants to do through you, right? So when you start to get to a place where you, you know, you think about breadth, length, depth, and height, there's nothing not covered. That's the entire picture. And it's not a... a, a one or two dimensional pictures is, is, is 3D, you know. That's why I covered, it's, it, it's almost giving you a, 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 it's not giving you, you know, a picture, you see a square picture and you got, you know, you got your height, your width, you, you got your horizontal and your vertical, but it's giving you the depth, you know, right? It's giving you the depth, so it's even giving you the, the 3D. Because, you know, like when we look at ourselves, we see an image of ourselves. Right? So you look yourself in the mirror, just newsflash, if the person you saw in the mirror, you didn't see you today. You saw an angle of you today. You saw a piece of you today. You didn't see the whole you. 
And it's impossible for any of us to see all of us. You can't. It's impossible. Even if somebody takes a picture, you just saw something. You saw a picture of you. You still didn't see you. Even if somebody, you, if you look at a video and you look up at the video and you look back at the video, you still are seeing angles and point of views. In that mirror you see, you may see the front of you. Then if you turn to the side, you see the side of you, but you don't see the side of you as it relates to the other side of you, right? You turn around, you know, you could try to, you know, you could try to see the back of you, but you can't fully see the back of you because the way you're designed, you can only see it from a certain angle. Then you turn back this way, you can only see from a certain angle, right? Then you turn this way, you only see, from, but, but you only are seeing an angle at a time, not the whole picture at the same time, not the height, depth, the length, and the width, right? So what God does is he, through his word, he gives you a picture of the whole you because there's more to you than your eyebrows, there's more to you than that pimple on your face. It's more to you than maybe the nose that you're questioning why God gave it to you or the lips. There's so much more to you. But people will spend all day looking at what? Their face. That's it. But it's so much more to all of us. And then if you see your entire body, you can't see your entire body. You just see a frontal in the mirror. You see what I'm saying? When we, we, we go, we put on our clothes and make sure everything we see in front of. We still don't see the whole picture, right? And then you still don't see the depth of you, the, the part that people really love, whether it's your personality, your insight, your wisdom, right? And so once we absorb all of Christ in us and stay tapped into the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we start to really see some things that we can grow up into uh, the person we're designed to be so we can fly to where we're supposed to go, all right? We're not just this caterpillar, you know, this, this caterpillar that's the best caterpillar on the tree. You know, some of us spend our entire life, we gave the kids the book, The, uh, the Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson, and, the, you know, the book has a character in it called Ordinary, and Ordinary is spending the town Spending time, in, uh, spending time in a town of familiar, and all the people in the, in the town are called nobodies, right? And so, you know, uh, he gets a dream from the dream giver, and he starts to get now frustrated with the everyday do- job that he does. Yeah, he's just, but because now familiar is not comfortable. The town of familiar is not comfortable. So he makes a move to go do some things different, to move towards the dream he's gotten from the dream giver. But first he hits the, uh, the first uh, uh, resistance is the border bullies. And as he's walking, he says, I've always heard about the border bullies, but I never thought there would be people that I knew. So it was his, it was his mom. It was his, I think his uncle and his best friend. So, you know, his, 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 his mom is, Ordy, Ordy, said ordinary, Ordy, no, no, don't do it. Like, 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 almost like frightened, like, don't leave familiar. You don't know what's out there. And then the, uh, uh, the, the best friend is like, man, I mean, you told me you was going to do it. And I, I kind of was rolling with you, but I thought you were just playing around. Like, you ain't serious about moving towards this dream and leaving familiar. Well, then, then, then that's number two. The uncle, he comes out a whole nother end. Like, who do you think you are? A nobody trying to be a somebody, right? He says, you need to take your butt back to the town of familiar and do what everybody's always done. 
right? And so that's what happens is, is when, you, when, you're not, when you have a skewed view and you're, you're, you're uncomfortable growing up, you're that caterpillar in that tree called familiar and trying to be the top caterpillar on the tree when the whole time you're supposed to fly and see the world. So you have to grow up, right? Right? People will, will get on you and pick with you. See, you couldn't handle familiar. Look, look, couldn't handle it, huh? You had to, you had to leave. You're exactly right. Had to be obedient to fulfill purpose. All right? Had to fly. All right? You, know, you, 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 you have wings, you're designed to fly, not live in a nest. <laughs> Right? So Romans, uh, let's go here, Romans 13. Romans 13, and we're going to focus here on verse 11. It says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. So it's saying I started out with a level of expectancy of salvation, wholeness. I mean, we talked about the whole picture, right? Salvation is wholeness, deliverance and expectation when I started out. But, but that was just the beginning. I have to keep evolving. You know, I have to keep... E- so I got in the Word, but I have to keep evolving until I'm flying, right? It says, uh, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. That's similar to casting out your imaginations, right? It says, and let us put on the armor of light. We talked about this in, um, uh, what was that, Sunday? Uh, blackout, right? It says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering or wantedness, not in strife and envyings. This is amplified. It says, besides this, you know what? A critical, besides this, besides this, you know what a critical hour this is. How it is high time now for you to wake up out of sleep, rouse to reality. It says, for salvation, final deliverance, is nearer to us now than we, when we first believed adhered to, trusted in, and relied on Christ the Messiah. It says, the night is far gone and the day is almost here. Let us then drop, fling away the works and deeds of darkness and put on the full armor of light. It says, let us live and conduct ourselves honorably and becomingly as in the open light of day, not in reveling, carousing, and drunkenness, not in immortality and debauchery, that's sensuality and licentiousness. It says, not in quarreling or jealousy. So here, so, so, so again, we're talking about uh, 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 challenging ourselves to be grown up. And this is saying that sometimes we could be asleep. We're not growing. We could be asleep. You notice something about... Uh, young people, when they get to a place where really when they're supposed to be growing, they're challenged to sleep. And your parents always say, get up, get up, get up. But there's something in our body where it wants to sleep. You leave it up to your body, it'll sleep for the rest of its life, uh, it'll die. Because you know, it's looking to age. You know, I'm, I'm 58 years of age. Right? I've aged 50 years. 
So we can't depend on our body. Our body will not. Um, remember, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak, right? So how many of us would still be asleep if nothing didn't shake us? So I remember when I was young and, and uh, well, I was uh, staying uh, with uh, my foster family, and so they would wake us up. We moved to another town. When we, was, when we were right before first grade, we stayed right across the street from a church. So you just get up, go across the street. That's all you had to do. It was right across the street. Uh, so our house burned down. We moved to another side of town. So they would wake me up, and I had to go to, I've told you the story before, Good Neighbor Baptist Church, Chancellor Avenue. I have to give y'all props. And so, but I, but I didn't want to go because the fellas was playing football outside. And so, so what I tried to do some days is act like I was asleep. <laughs> you know, like, you know, key. Or, or, or as uh, Grandpa used to call me, key. 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 Right? Right? Yeah, but I'll be, you know, I'll be exactly like, you know. But, but I remember they called me for a while, but after a while they would shake me. And there was times that, that I wasn't faking sleep. There's times I stayed up all night. And so they would call me, I wouldn't hear them. But they would shake me uh, to wake me up. How many of us would still be asleep in our growth if nothing didn't shake us? See, we're, sometimes we're frustrated when we're shooken or we go through a, uh, uh, shock and awe, but the shock and awe is not a punishment. It's to wake us up. It's to wake us up. But this is the thing is sometimes you, uh, so I told you the time I fell out and the guy, uh, I actually talked to the guy two weeks ago uh, for the first time since I left New Jersey, but the guy said, he said, I had to, I smacked you as hard as I could. He's a huge guy. He said, I smacked you, but I felt like I had to double up. So like when he smacked me the first time, it looked like I was coming out but I was fading back in, so he had to smack me again. And so this is the thing. Sometimes we get a wake-up call. Something is awakening us. You, you may come to service. You may be driving. You may be meet, run into somebody. Something happens to you to shake you. You know, like the day, the day that I told you I fell out in that club, that was an awakening. I was supposed to wake up. And so, I, so, so what I said was, I said, man, I, I really blew it this time. I said, so I'm staying away from this. I did it for two weeks, <laughs> went right back, right? So, so I, didn't, I didn't fully wake up, right? And so, so, so sometimes the shaking is waking us up, but as soon as we get comfortable, we default back into sleep. You know, you're sitting in service and your, your, your wife or your husband tries to wake you and you, you feel alert and you start daydreaming again and you go back into that stupor, right? <laughs> So we got we to stay woke, right? We got to stay woke. Um, I believe it's Ed this week. He said he got this from his job. Uh, nothing will, well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, nothing will change until we change, right? That's close, right? Right, I probably added the we. So nothing will change until we change. Or Pastor Mel always says, uh, changes and change until you change, right? Well, uh, being grown ain't grown until you grow, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's, not, it's not numbers, man. It's not age. I know people 30, 40, 50 years old, they still haven't grown up. Because something in us, we have this affinity. I was uh, leaving the gym, and I saw an uh, 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 old Mustang, like from back in, my, back in my day. I used to like the little Mustangs. But it was exactly the way the Mustangs was back in the day. The dude didn't do nothing to it. He didn't add nothing to it. It, it, you could tell it was just, 
he probably, this my baby, right? But there's something about us that, that we want to gravitate to where we were. Scripture tells us to forget the things that are behind us and press towards the mark of the prize at a high calling, right? And so it's something about us where we don't want to grow up. And I shared this with the guys of Guy Talk, but uh, I have two people in my life. One person is uh, in this city. <laughs> I'll just say it that way. The other person is in another state as a family member. But when they were 12, they made the same statement. Why do I have to grow up? And when I heard them, I didn't hear them. I heard them speak out what a lot of people think. Why do I have to grow up? Because if you think about the transition of growing up, and you've been playing for a while, depending, it's a lot harder for guys. I mean, the young ladies, I'm not saying it's not difficult for you, but for whatever reason, even what you do to play is, a, is preparing you for what you're going to do in life. You know, you got your house, uh, Susie bake ovens, you go to a store, you see a little girl with a, with a cart, you know, like, like you just see, or a carriage, uh, you comb in here. This is a responsibility now. It might be Barbie's hair, but it's a responsibility. You know what I'm saying? You know, you, you taking care of, making sure she got the right clothes on, you know, stuff like that. We ain't doing that. We're not doing that. We playing. Breaking stuff, you know, uh, you know, like, <laughs> we are... <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we run it, we, whatever we doing, we shooting, we, you know, go for the touchdown. I used to do uh, the uh, NFL commercial. They had the, the music, dun, 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 and I'd back up, I just, 28, 30, dun, 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 I throw the ball. I always had a theme rolling when I, when I, was, I, was, I was a clown, but I, but, yeah, for whatever reason, I just had the music, and I had the picture of, you know, uh, Fran Tarkington running, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, throwing the ball. I had that. So I'm playing. So now when things get serious, I'm like, really? Or you want to talk about finances or I got a budget? If I heard your word, but I'm like, budget, man, I just got bills. Why do I got to stop and talk about money? So it's something where you just, on the inside, you really don't want to grow up or a serious conversation. Oh, Lord. I just, I talked to a guy from college. He gave me the other side, but I remember they was having a meeting, and if, if I, so we just do, no, nah, no, nah, we just imagine it. So, so say the meeting is all over here in the, in the, we had townhouses in the kitchen area. I'm out in the hallway. Now, I'm a part of the fraternity, but I'm out in the hallway. I don't know what I was doing, but I just heard Keith. And so I heard Keith, I was like, I pulled my chair in, I said, I wonder what they're talking about. They said, Keith, and the whole meeting, they called the whole meeting about me. And they was like, man, you know, we've been trying to talk to you, man, you just keep cussing people out, man. And then it was like, like, you know, even there's some young ladies, they wanted you to come back to the dorm to speak to them, but they was afraid to approach you, because they figured you cuss them out. Like, everybody around on the campus is like, don't know if they can say nothing to you, because you just flying off, and I, and I was sitting there, you know, I didn't know what to say, but I, I wasn't used to transparent conversation, but they telling me, and, but the whole time I was like, really? Like, is that the rep? Like, am I doing that? <laughs> exactly the way you guys said it, but I wasn't, I didn't know how to communicate. They sent a, 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 a scout to come talk to me because I didn't try out for the team my second year because I thought every year you had to try out. I didn't know because I was selected as a captain on the JV my freshman year, I'm on the team, right? So I didn't show up. 
So they send a guy, hey, hey, uh, the coaches want to know, uh, where you at? Why you didn't come? Man, what I look like, man? Running up and down there, 20 suicides ain't going to play. I, I, add, add the curses for yourself, okay? Just, I just, I filtered the curses out, right? Like, man, what I look like? And I probably said it worse than that. And, but on the inside, I was going, what, what, what you guys? You got a spot for me? Like, what, what, what do I need to do? I just figured you already had your team. That's all I had to say. That's like, well, I said that in like four seconds. But instead of me humbly saying the reality, I responded like a child. And then I started a, a, a momentum. Now I'm a kid with a head case. Who does this kid think he is? He's not a recruit. He made the team as a walk-on. Why does he think he deserves privileges that these guys earned way before they got here? But I didn't think that. But I displayed that as a child. And sometimes we carry that through our whole life instead of just being vulnerable. If you don't know, you don't know. But if you don't know what you don't know, you don't grow. You see what I'm saying? So it's not really, maturity is, hey, I never did that before. <laughs> so, so, so I notice when you do this, Keith, you do this, that, so, so why do you do it exactly like that? As opposed to, well, I don't understand why you do it like that. See, because so, I got to maintain like I'm sweet or I got an edge or I know stuff. What's wrong with humbly presenting yourself exactly as you are? That would be maturity. But I got to present it with a question as if I'm already at a level of expertise and you need to meet to come up to my standard. Not, so, so, now nah, I don't even know what that is. And sometimes I know. <laughs> it. I can could, I could present it so well sometimes, it seems like I don't know nothing. I, I know a lot of stuff, but I ain't trying to prove nothing. I'm trying to find out what I don't know, not trying to prove what I do. I want to grow up. Every day I'm trying to grow up even more. I still ain't grown yet. You know, I'm trying to grow up. Uh, hope, hopefully everybody else is, right? All right, so this is the interesting, interesting thing. The only thing in this life that we live that's not subject to change is God, right? Everything else is temporal. Everything else is temporal. That word temporal means subject to change. 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, look not on the things that you, uh, that you see for they're temporal. Look on the things that you can't see for they're eternal, right? The things that you see are subject, have to submit to what's called change. That's why we're aging, because once we've manifested in this earth realm, we have to submit to something called change. When we fight change, now we start to uh, uh, mess up with our minds. That's our minds start to, because we're, we're leaving our mind at a level that it was designed to elevate from. And so now it's, it's, it's hanging out at a certain level, a certain age, with a certain environment, a certain group of interaction, too long. And now you're going to start to frustrate it and confuse it because it it's, it's needs more nourishment at a greater level. It has to get fed new revelation, new insight, new information. It has to get fed correction, chastisement, instruction. Those are, are, are growth things. We, we call it, like, like the whole process of growing is growing pains. 
You know, like the, 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 you, 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 I mean, even birth, it's, it's uncomfortable. That transition from the womb to earth is uncomfortable. And then somebody going to smack you when you get here. Like, like, if that wasn't enough, like, hold on, bro, do you know the process I went through? That's probably why the baby crying. Like, man, I haven't gone through enough. Right? Like, like, like we start out with, 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 with feeling some pain. And it, 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 it starts our body moving. Uh, uh, we were talking about needling. And uh, so I've never had needling, but my wife had needling. And they said they, they create trauma. So your body goes, hey, I need to go there and fix something. So if you got pain on there, they'll put the needle in and, the, and it creates trauma and your body galvanizes itself and says, oh, hey, 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 oh, check engine light. We need to go fix it. But in our life, we're avoiding the things that's telling everything in our being, hey, we need to go fix that, right? So look here at, uh, let's look here at Malachi. See, so, so again, as, as, as you see on the graphic, our, it's our, our scripture says, be not conformed, but be, be transformed. That transform word, it's an evolving word. It's a growing word. That conformity can keep us at a place of immaturity too long. And that's a very dangerous uh, place to be in our life. Right, so, 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 uh, because I already made the quote, because I already quoted the statement, only thing in life that's not subject to change is God. Malachi 3.6 says, for I am the Lord, I change not. <laughs> right? We just leave it at that. I'm the Lord, I change not. So God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Right? And those are his words. I just want to give you mine. So, but we are subject to change. We're supposed to be growing and evolving. Right? So again, changes, are not, and I've said this since I used to operate in youth ministry, or the Holy Spirit said this through me, I didn't come up with it. But change is evolving, not replacement. So you'll see this with your children, some of y'all that have children, or you'll see this in your life, your parents could tell you this is what they, they saw. Like we go through this stage where we're acceptance of growth. How do I do this? How do I do this? Then we, we, uh, we probably 12 and 14, we actually shift to a place where we're more aware of stuff, but there's some stuff that we can do without motivation or someone telling us to do. We discover how-tos on our own, but we take the discovering of how-tos as if we've arrived, and now we feel that we're less than when, when, when the, 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 what God, the nourishment God established for our life through people, through insight, through revelation, through instruction, we... we we reject it or we don't totally receive it because we think that if I received it from them, then they're more special than me. It's not what you receive, it's what you do with it, right? And so, so I, I deal with a lot of young people, as uh, one young man, um, there's a few, that, uh, you know, athletically, you know, everything that they were learning, they were learning from their dad, but it got to the point they got good. And now they didn't want to receive from their dad because they felt that it would, uh, their value would depreciate. Because if, 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 if I'm doing this because my dad showed me, then I'm not as sweet. You know, 
My grandson's walking through that sometimes. Okay, if I do this because grandpa showed me or, or somebody showed me, then I'm not as sweet. So it's like, oh, I already know how to do this already. Oh, I don't really think that's important because now if I add that, then I'm going to have to say I got it from somebody. But it's not what you got. It's what you do with it. Like there's, uh, there's no competency of ourselves anyway. Everything we're getting, we're getting from God through the vessels that he's put in our life to nourish us. But that doesn't make you less sweet. I, I say it all the time. The reason why I quote, I just said something I got from Ed or, or, or Sunday I was saying what I got from Ari, that doesn't make it less valuable coming out of my mouth. I'm not weakened. See, see, some people, their first thought is, oh, that's sweet what Ari said. So I'm going to package it so it, it seems like I said something sweet. That's what makes you less valuable. But it doesn't take away the impact because I say, hey, I already said this. So I learned this uh, or earlier today I said uh, um, uh, with Jamal had talked about uh, uh, Saturday, how he crystallized what we talked about. And then I just said what Ed said. Or I'm always saying, I was talking to my wife and she said this. It doesn't take any weight away. You see what I'm saying? Like, but, but again, we have to mature to be able to do that. You know, that, that's why... People are quoting great authors and stuff like that. They're just mature enough to say, hey, I got it from this guy. But it's still, your impact is still the same. You know, instead of you uh, uh, verbally plagiarizing, if, if it's such a thing. You know, I don't know if it's such a thing. I just made up something just now. <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, and, and so, so, again, change is, is evolving. It's not replacement. Nobody's replacing you. Can't nobody replace you. We can all right in here get the same information, embrace it, value what the Lord is saying through Pastor Keith, apply it different, and each of us will be highlighted or, or gratified or encouraged or lifted up totally different. And we're all in here getting the same information. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't take away from you. It's not replacing you. You know, well, I don't want to, you know, husbands be doing that. The wife go, well, you know, Pastor Keith was saying, well, I don't nobody care what Pastor Keith was saying. He ain't, he ain't the, the husband of this house. No kidding. What was the words communicated? We already know they ain't come from Pastor Keith. They came from God. But I got to now, now I have to, I have to figure a way around even receiving from Pastor Keith because I don't want it to come across like, I don't want to be to deal with any type of comparison and stuff like that. Stop. It ain't that deep. God is communicating the information. What was the information? Are you mature enough to just accept and receive what God is saying? Instead of just fighting for your ego. That's, that's not maturity. Insecurity is not maturity. Well, we have to grow up to be able to embrace these things. I was telling my wife this, because uh, I, I do study people too. And um, so I noticed that these people that achieve higher level platforms, a lot of them are mature. There's quite a few of them that are not. So I was watching a, a, a broadcast, and this is, young, this is a young guy. This young guy, I won't say his name because of what I'm about to say. He was a decent basketball player, but he wasn't very good. He was decent, though, and he, 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 he won a championship because he was on a, a good team. So he's, he's speaking, but these guys have been in the, in the broadcasting for a long time. 
So one guy has a show, and he's on the show, and they're talking to him. He says, hey, man, you know what? He says, I think I'm going to have you on my show. I'm going to bring you to my show. As soon as he said it, he was like, yeah, man, so if you have me on your show and you do this, and just let me know when you want me to do it. He said, hey, 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 man. He said, don't be so thirsty. Now, he said this in front of millions of people. He said it because that's what he was supposed to say. But we've, we'll convert that into, man, he's going to put me out there. it would be all types of tweets and stuff like that and, and Facebook messages. Man, this dude's going to try to call me thirsty. You know, now it's a battle between you and this person. Are we serious? Were you thirsty? Yes. Do you not need to be thirsty? Yes. Could it help you if you're a lot less thirsty and can you have more opportunities? Yes. You see what I'm saying? Like, so, so why can't we just mature to recognize you know, I'm being a little thirsty right now. I don't trust God. I'm going to put my hands on it. I'm going to push. I'm going I'm, to I'm push. I'm going I'm I'm to, uh, I'm, I'm like the kid that I used to have when I had the kids from kindergarten, eighth grade. And I told you, if the volleyball go over there, they would be running after it. And one kid, his name was Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan would knock down everybody because he had to be the only one to get the ball. And if, if I didn't nip that in the bud, Jonathan's going to go up and knock down everybody because he has to be first in line. And that's like when we would line up, yeah, okay, everybody get in line. We're going to go outside. They would run and knock each other down because I got to be, I want to be first. Then they start crying. He got in front of me and I was first. Let him be first today, man. You can be first tomorrow. Train yourself to not be, feel so bad because somebody got in line first. Train yourself. Now, 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 I've I just been that way my, my, in my life. Now, I didn't run into the dorm because all the guys was running to the girls' dorm. Man, I just wait a couple weeks, man. I'll go over there later. Just train yourself to allow things to evolve. Even when something means a lot to you, let it evolve. You'll never look over your shoulder, but if you are thirsty and you've hustled your way into something, you'll look over your shoulder for the rest of your life. So we have to grow to be able to do that, right? So the scripture says, be confident in this very thing. Philippians 1.6. Be confident in this very thing that he that's begun a good work will perform it. So our confidence is not in, on, in, in our putting our hands on it. Our confidence is in God. You know, I was, I was, I was meditating through this message. Life sure turned out differently than I thought. When I was in school, I just thought it would, you know, I had this picture of how things would turn out. And, and realistically, a lot has changed. And as much as I can lean to, I was leaning to my own understanding and I thought I could calculate how it would play out, it never played out the way I thought it was going to play out. Even when God showed me something, the path to get there wasn't the path I thought it would take to get there. Even we had a whole, uh, I, I submitted to the pastor a 45-page proposal. The original proposal was 100 pages. I had 60 breaking down the benefits of um, planning, you know, uh, and then once he said he was in agreement, I was like, well, I'm not going to overwhelm him with the other 60 pages, right? But even with the 45 pages, you know, where, how we would start, uh, the first, uh, how we would gather, uh, acclimate ourselves to the city, I visited different churches, I had everything, two-year timeline, two-year plan. It didn't go exactly the way, matter of fact, it was supposed to be 120 days before we even thought about a Bible study. We had Bible study the first two weeks we was out here. Somebody called up. Uh, one person, this is like, he said, so you doing Bible study today? 
I was like, wasn't planning to, but since you, since you asked the question, I guess we will. That's how we started Bible study. The conference line, listen, we ain't, we ain't sweet. We didn't think of the conference line. We started the Bible study. People uh, from different, we just left a state, was like, well, I want to be a part of it. So we started using our cell phones. Then so many people were calling in, we had to use multiple cell phones. Then somebody showed up. We didn't come up with this either. And they showed up because at their job, they had extra uh, conference phones. Like, you know, you sit in the middle. And so we used the conference phone. Then when we started the church, I forgot all about it. I said, babe, we about to have Bible study, but we also have people calling in. How are we going to do that? So we, we put the conference phone on the speaker. But then you would get feedback and stuff like that. So my mind thinks if, if, if they expect you to do it, it must can be done. So I said, there's got to be a way. And we, uh, we were trained at the studio. Um, Marcus went through the training too uh, for Access TV. You can't get on TV unless you go through the training. So we went through the training, and in and, and one of our segments, we did a talk show. And in the talk show, they, they, people call in. When we did it, so I said, well, they call in, so there's got to be some equipment for that. So I researched, I found the broadcast box, hooked the thing up, and from then on in, we started having uh, people calling into the service. I, we didn't think of that. We, we just talked about it this week. We ain't thinking of none of this stuff. God, God got her up and said, uh, go to that building right now. It wasn't Pastor Mel. God created this, the, the, the stuff. He obviously used Pastor Mel for every building we've got. Right? But it was God initiating it, everything. Everything that we've ever done is God. So none of us are sweet. You see what I'm saying? Like all we have to do is humble ourselves and realize it's God. It is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth or do whatever you're doing. But I noticed something. Have you noticed how we don't change or we don't want to change when things change? I remember when um, the planners came out. Somebody, you mentioned it. Uh, Stephen Covey, was it you? This week, somebody mentioned Stephen Covey, um, Purpose Planner. And people was like, you need to get a planner. I was like, yeah, but I'm going to have to remember to put the stuff in the planner. I'd rather just keep it in my head because everything I kept in my head. Numbers, every, I'm almost like that now. Yeah, I can read off numbers. I, I can call for my credit card and I'll tell them what the number is. Now, as we speak. Like, I, that's just my mind. I don't want to never lose that bite. But... I was like, man, I didn't know they're trying to use a planner. So then God did this. She gets this deal on a, a ThinkPad. Do you remember that? And so I get a ThinkPad because I think they was like, they were very cheap. So when I get the ThinkPad, I only used it for one thing, the calendar. Because I, I wasn't using computers. I could care less about computers. And, but, but when I started using it, I was like, man, this, I said, I got my schedule right here. Like, I don't have to remember all this stuff. And God said, good, now you can free up your mind for the revelation I want to give you. I said, like, oops. <laughs> and so each stage of evolving, the change is good. Man, nobody trying computers. Man, nobody trying to do computers. Okay, keep saying that. Because it's going to be to a point that's all that's going to be existing. So we're going to have to change. You see what I'm saying? We have to change. Uh, we re- why do we resist change? A lot of times we resist change because of fear. We resist change because of fear. Because think about it, every time you change, you, you're in unfamiliar territory. These people have taken on new positions and new jobs. That's new training. That's new expectations. That's foreign territory, right? <laughs> right? But guess what? All you're doing is changing. 
You gonna master that like you mastered the last job. It's just you ain't as comfortable right away. But every job, every job you go to, you're gonna have to change. But it's not, oh my God, hope I, hope, I think we had this conversation. Actually, I had this conversation. A lot of y'all getting new jobs. We had this conversation with probably six or seven people, <laughs> right? But it's just, you just gotta, everybody got all these new physicians around. <laughs> Right, but but you once you, once you're brought into the position, you're brought into the position not because you already know how to do it, because you are capable of doing it, and building on the system they already have. That's why they hired you. They took the time. Ain't nobody giving you money for free. They're giving you money because hey, you're worth the investment. I'm telling you that right now, right? So, so, and you're willing to change. You was willing to change positions, right? All right, so, so the scripture says this in Ecclesiastes 4. It says, he that observeth, observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regards the clouds shall not reap. The person that's waiting for the right circumstances to change will never change, <laughs> right? Will never change, right? Uh, uh, the uh, message says, uh, get on with your life. <laughs> the same passage says, get on with your life, man. Stop, stop. Uh, what was it? Analyst leads to paralysis. You know, just constantly analyzing but not moving, you could be paralyzed. The Amplified says, the person that waits for favorable conditions won't move, Right? And this, this is, um, this is this, the reality is, even though we may travel in different directions, most of us all experience the same uneasiness with change. So, so, so all of us experience an uneasiness with change. I do, we do. Um, you know, every time we're doing something around here, uh, some of it is new territory. It's uneasy, but we're not going to get nothing done if we just wait for it to be comfortable. <laughs> Right, so we just go with the boy. You know, sometimes you don't trust people. Like, you don't know what these people are gonna do. You can take your money or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But you got to trust God and, and and embrace the change. Right? This is just walking the spirit, and you should not feel the lust of the flesh. Move with the spirit. Be led by the spirit. So, so we can be complacent or self-destruct when we don't handle interruptions to our normal routine properly. All right. But just just think of this thought. It's, it's not an interruption. It's an introduction. It's not an interruption. It's an introduction. Man, you're messing up the way I flow. Exactly. It's introducing you to a better way to flow and to a better benefit to flow. We ain't do it like this at our school. Exactly. Because you're no longer there and you're going to another level. And this level is not just going to and uh, benefit from what you learned at the last level is going to teach you some new things to prepare you for the next level. Right? It's not an interruption, it's an introduction. Uh, so if we don't respond properly to these introductions, panic can result and then manipulation sets in, control sets in, and of course, atrophy can set in. Right? If we don't uh, respond properly to these introductions. <laughs> so if something's introduced to you as something 
that you didn't have a relationship with previous to that occasion, right? <laughs> you didn't have a relationship with that process or that way of doing things, right? So we must see change as gain and not loss. See change as gain and not loss. Realize this. Fighting change is, is fighting destiny. Fighting destiny is fighting purpose. Fighting change is fighting destiny. Fighting destiny is fighting purpose. No, I'm kind of moving a little fast um, because I don't want to spend all, all night with this. Um, but, but all this, most of the stuff I said to you is on the uh, video. Um, so you can just grab the, the, the breakdown off the video. All right? So look at, look at Psalm 119. We'll just take it, if you guys don't mind, we'll just take an extra 10 minutes because this is not the teaching next week. So I want to make sure you get the complete thought as we prepare for our six months of focus, right? All right, so, so Psalm 119.59, it says, look, it says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I thought on my ways and I turned my feet to thy testimonies. I thought on my ways and I turned to change. Uh, Haggai 1.7 says, consider your ways. Even 1 John 1.9, 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sin, God is faithful to forgive you your sin and cleanse you of the unrighteousness. You ain't confessing nothing unless you stop, focus, and realize, see, look, I'm confessing recognize, hey, I've missed it, and now I'm taking steps for repentance. Repentance is change, changing direction, right? If any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. Old things are what? Passed away, changing. All things become new. That's that butterfly, that, that, that crystallis, that cocoon is being passed away. And once those wings form, uh, they actually not only become new, they fly into places they've never seen before, right? New experiences, new territories, new environments. So, so when we're in a position where we ask why and how, we're saying, let me assess if this information is worth following, as if we're God. God has given us this new information to assist us with change. But when we're rejecting the introduction, we're saying, let me assess this as if we're the God. God has given us what we need, right? And so this is the thing. Um, some of us have started to develop a pretty decent foundation. I don't even want to say decent. I'm going to say a good foundation, right? But we're supposed to build on the foundations, not rest in them. We're supposed to build on the foundations, not rest in them. We haven't arrived because we've established the foundation. We're supposed to build on them. And I'll repeat this because the Lord's been telling us this. All we have is not all he has for us. All we have is not all he has for us. It's more than we've had. It's more than some people have had around us. But God is not comparing your life to you having more than you've had or more than having more than the people around you. Scripture says, dare not to compare yourself with yourself and others. 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 12, right? Compare yourself to God's design for your life, all right? Compare yourself to God's design for your life. Like, uh, so Hebrews 6, and then we'll end with Hebrews. All right, we're going to end with Matthew 4, okay? But I'm going to give you Hebrews 6, 1.
because I think it's, it speaks to what we're talking about. And then we'll end with Hebrews 4. I mean, Matthew 4. Matthew 4, 4. So just, just in case you wanted to write it down. All right, so Hebrews 6, 1. It says, therefore, look, because we said you build on the foundation, right? Don't rest in it. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, maturity, completeness, not laying again, not laying again the foundation of repentance of dead works and of faith towards God. So, so, so we're moving on to, we're, we're growing into perfection. I just want to make sure you had uh, scripture to confirm what the Lord was saying. It wasn't just my opinion. All right, so the key to change is opening up to what you don't know, not trying to prove what you do. The key to change is opening up to what you don't know, not trying to prove what you do. So, so the person that's not opening up to what they don't know, that person is limited to stale information that doesn't grow. That person is limited to stale information that doesn't grow. So, so Matthew 4.4 4 says this, man does not what? Live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. This is the audible, but Matthew 6 says, uh, give us this day our what? Daily bread. So every day we're getting new rhema. Pastor Mel always uses it in parallel to when they were getting the uh, manna um, in the wilderness. And manna, the word manna means what is this or what is that, right? What is this? Right? So what is this is I'm being introduced to something that I don't know what it is. And so when you say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, every day we're trying to get from God uh, new manna, right? New manna, something to assist us to grow and to change more. So even if it's the same word, let God breathe new revelation on it. So you could read the same scripture. That doesn't mean you won't be getting new manna. Because God will, will peel a uh, uh, new revelation on it. New revelation equals new destination. New revelation equals new destination. And so, in reality, change is rarely comfortable. So don't look for comfort. Embrace change. And then ask yourself this question. is probably another version of what Pastor Mel says, uh, uh, she tries to, uh, you know, do it afraid, you know, if, if that's afraid is a challenge. But ask yourself, what would we do if we weren't afraid to change? What would we do if we wasn't afraid to change? What are we missing out on? Miles Monroe says there's greatness in the grave. Very few people have tapped into why they were purposed to be here. It's like, so there's 10% of purpose in, in that grave. 90%, uh, 10% of purpose has been lived. 90% of it was buried in the grave because people never embraced God's process of change. All right? So people really never gave themselves a, a true opportunity to, to go on to perfection or to what? Be grown up. Like genuinely grown up. So, so um, uh, we won't be talking about this next week, but we will be t- talking about this going forward. And hopefully during this process, 60-day process, it'll be 
will challenge ourselves to embrace change and embrace what it takes to be truly grown up. Because some of us are unintentionally doing a lot of childish things, uh, 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 childishly arguing, childishly being defensive, childishly operating the insecurities, childishly making commitments that we don't honor, you know, childishly not even making commitments, you know, still operating in the, um, you know, the inability to follow up, follow through, be counted on, right? That's not growing up. You know, some of you guys have grown to be supervisors. Who, who's the person you're going to promote? The person you can rely on, right? You ain't going to promote nobody you can't rely on. First of all, your family got to eat, right? So you ain't going to risk your family's meal on this person that you can't depend on. So let me ask you something. Your supervisors, they eat too, don't they? Your business owners, they eat too, don't they? Right? They ain't risking their, 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 everything that they've established on somebody they can't rely on, somebody that's immature. Right? All right, so that's, that's, that's all for today on Grown Up. Hopefully that blessed you a little bit. Um, let's, let's, talk, let's talk a little bit.